opportunity to come here, this house of worship, and to to seek you and to get to know you better. We thank you for mothers everywhere, indeed all women everywhere this day. And we just thank you for letting them know how much they're loved and needed and cherished by you. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in our lives and families and church. Help us to grow towards you. In Jesus' name, amen. Abraham Lincoln said one time, All that I am or hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. Somebody else said, there's no way to be a perfect mother and a million ways to be a good one. Today, we just want to bless all mothers everywhere. And like I said before, all women. Beginning with Eve in the book of Genesis, the Bible is filled with amazing women. We're just going to talk a little bit about that today. So if you would, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. I'll probably spare you some of the reading and let you start around the 20th verse. Genesis chapter 2, and then you can put your markers if you have a couple in uh, Hebrews 11 and Mark chapter 5. God created man and he put him in the Garden of Eden, didn't he? Put him there to watch over everything. Ran all the animals past him. Let him name every creature there was. But there wasn't a a helper suitable for Adam. And God said so. And around the 18th verse of Genesis chapter 2, God said, it's not good for a man to be alone and I'll make a helper suitable for him. Starting at the 21st verse of Genesis 2, the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib He had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That's why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Remember those words, George? That should be familiar to you. I think I spoke them over you once before. Praise God. So man gave life to woman and woman gave life to the world. We don't know much about Eve. The first woman in the world and the mother of us all. The final piece of God's amazing creation. Someone who shared in God's image with Adam. Someone alike enough for companionship yet different enough for relationship. 
greater together than they ever could be alone. But everyone knows what happened to Eve. I mean, there's something that we do know about Eve, isn't there? We know she made a terrible mistake and it has identified her for all of human history. Even though if you look back in that same chapter when God created man, the first thing he told him, you're free to eat of any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Eve came later. Adam's the one that had to share that with her. Yet he ate. He was there watching her. (laughs) But Satan came to Eve, didn't he? He came to her in the garden where she and Adam lived. And he convinced her to do the one thing that God had forbidden them both to do. In Genesis chapter 3, starting at the first verse. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? He didn't say that, did he? He just told him there was one that he couldn't eat of. So see how the the devil twists things? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. Well, I don't remember him saying that part, but. At least she was sticking to God's word for the time being. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. He just blatantly lied. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food... And that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. In a single moment. By something which seemed harmless enough, insignificant enough, the beautiful relationship, mosaic of God's creation, the perfection of the order he had created between man and himself, his trust, our innocence had been shattered into a million pieces by a sin which seemed just as small as a little pebble. Eve went on 
with Adam away from the garden. They couldn't return. And she struggled in life. They had children. Cain, Abel, Seth, and many others. Cain killed Abel. She had one son murder another son. Yeah, I would say after sin entered in, she definitely struggled. She struggled in life, never regaining that innocence lost or the fellowship she once enjoyed with God. And you know, I'm glad for one that the death of the mother of all creation is not documented in the Bible. But Satan did something that day in the garden to Eve that he has been doing to people ever since. He caused her to question God's goodness, God's provision for her life, her contentment. And God had never left her lacking for anything and he never would have. But the devil came and he caused her to take her attention away from all that God had done and provided to the one thing that he had withheld. And isn't that all too often the way things are in our own lives? It seems to be the normal practice of people to turn their attention from all that God has given them and blessed them with to the one thing that he hasn't. Oh, I have to have that. Our desires are so easily manipulated. And God's timing never seems to be convenient for us when we get into this ungodly, fleshy mode. (laughs) Is it just me or or, do you all experience that ever? At least if it's not you, you know a lot of people that are like that. Or at least critical enough to recognize it in others. (laughs) The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. The same three things that happened to Eve. These three tactics of the devil, they enter in. Then unfortunately, God is dismissed from our decision making process. Emotions take over and... Rob us of wisdom and good judgment. And our desires are not the best basis for our actions. We should always include God and His Word in our lives, in our choices regarding everything. Everything. Ever since the fall of man and woman in that garden, people have been questioning God's love for them. God's goodness toward them. God's provision for their lives. Living condemned and ashamed. Continually aware of the nakedness of their sin. Trying to rely upon themselves and others to provide for their needs. Instead of the God who loves them and created them. But Jesus said in John chapter 10 verse 10. The thief, the devil, that serpent from the garden is the one. 
who comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. He goes on to say, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He's good. He's good. And he loves us. Why do so many put their trust instead in a bottle of of booze or pills or money or sex or power, position, instead of trusting in Jesus and the Holy Spirit? Why do they run into the arms of another outside of the covenant of marriage instead of running to the arms of Jesus? Why do we trust in our own strength to protect us instead of hiding in the shadow of His wings? Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. My life, I hope God will use what's left of it to persuade men and women all over the world to grow in their personal relationship with Jesus and to trust in God. But we have to convince ourselves of something. We have to really convince ourselves that He does love us and that He wants us to succeed in life. Not necessarily in worldly terms, although He does not mind us having things. He just doesn't want them having us. He wants us to be successful in every way. Money is just a very simple part of the equation. He wants us to be victorious. Free, unhindered, unchained by the sins and cares of this life. Romans 8, 38 and 39 are a couple of great scriptures and they need to be your testimony. And I would ask you today if they are, just think about it, pray about it. Because sometimes we say we answer too quickly. We know the right answer religiously, but really we need to get alone in our prayer room and we need to talk to the Lord and ask Him, am I really, do I really believe this? Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Romans chapter 8, verse 38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, Neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate me, put yourself in there, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Are you that strong and confident in His love towards you? Because most of us aren't really there yet. And it's fleeting sometimes when we do get it. Almost like a vapor. We need to reject every lie of the devil 
that would minimize or question God's goodness and provision and love and willingness to provide for us and our lives. We're blessed. We're blessed. Not by our own efforts, not by our own accomplishments, but by beholding Jesus and his finished work on the cross on our behalf. You know, continuing on with our celebration of women today, Hebrews chapter 11, which is known as the great faith chapter of the Bible. Sarah and Rahab are the only two women listed in that chapter. The wall of faith. It's got a lot of people listed from the Bible. Great giants of faith in God's eyes. And he listed some in this chapter 11 of Hebrews. But just two women, Sarah and Rahab. Sarah didn't wait on God, if you remember, to do what he said he would do when he promised the child of promise, Isaac. She got impatient and she, together with Abraham, tried to help God out, didn't she? And that's how we got Ishmael. And we're still fighting the descendants of Ishmael today. But I'm just saying, I'm pointing out this character flaw that she had just because it's mentioned that she had she was a great champion of faith. God himself listed her in his book as someone having great faith. The other Rahab was a prostitute and she ended up being a great grandmother of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Why do you think the Holy Spirit included these women as examples of faith in the Bible? Loved by God in his book. There were definitely other women of faith in the Bible. I mean, Jesus had many who were involved in his life and ministry. And there was one housewife that he referred to as having great faith. Well, they can't list everyone. You can say that. That's fine. But I think the Holy Spirit put these women in particular there just to help women today. To lay aside all of their condemnation and to begin to believe God that he loves you. And that Jesus has paid for your sins and your failures no matter what they are. As long as you put your trust in Him and you have confidence in Him as your Lord and Savior. But you have to convince yourself. It's a personal relationship. In Mark chapter 5, Verse 24, we're not going to be here very long. I know it's Mother's Day. Mark chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus was busy. 
as he usually was, doing wonderful things. He was heading to heal someone who died along the way, and he went on ahead anyway and raised her from the dead. But meanwhile, a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. I like that, thronged about him. They were pushing in. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She was really ill for 12 years. Spent all her money, all her worldly resources. She was out of options. And unlike, or not unlike many today, Oh, yeah. Now, <laughs> I've used all of my resources and time and years, and now let me turn to God. <laughs> but I'm not knocking her, because at least she did. Verse 27, she had heard the reports about Jesus. And she came up behind him in the crowd, and she touched his garment. For she said in her heart, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garment? Who touched me? And his disciples said to him, it sounds like sounds like something we would do. Everybody touched you. You know, the crowd is, is large. You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? Well, that's what they were, they were like. What do you mean? Everybody touched you. It's a big crowd, and they're just pushing in. And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She could have been stoned just for being out in public in that condition in those days. She was very brave. She ran out of worldly options. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. You should document that. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Many people touched Jesus that day, but only one drew his response. Only one touch had pulled power from him. Only one touch healed, saved, and made whole. Sozo, remember that word, complete and total healing and wholeness and salvation had come to this woman who had struggled for 12 years. Remember what I always say, your faith. Faith is what we use to reach out and take hold of the things provided by grace. Maybe a hundred people touched Jesus, but he only said one did. Only one drew power from him because only one was there in faith. Expecting to receive from him. She had convinced herself, if Jesus comes, I'm going to touch him. I love her. 
I can't wait to meet her. If I just touch him, and I'm going to touch him, I'm going to find a way to get to Jesus. And if I do touch him, I will receive my healing. In the same way, today, we need to convince ourselves. We need to persuade ourselves. Jesus is my healer, and by his stripes, I'm healed. He lives within me. He's already touched me. I'm touched. <laughs> I'm a little touched. Jesus is my provider. My savior. My source of all good things. We need to quit trying to convince God. He doesn't need to be persuaded. His blessing is already on us in and through Christ Jesus. And he's willing. We need to convince ourselves that God has already given us the miracle that we're seeking him for. Our healing. Our provision. The wisdom that we need in a situation. We need to quit trying to convince others that we believe God. Quit trying to convince God to bless us indirectly by Telling so many people that we're believing God for something. <coughs> that you're waiting on him to do. No. He's already provided all that we'll ever need. We just need to convince ourselves to go and get it from him. To stand in faith and to wait on the Lord. Praising him and worshiping him. Knowing that the thing has already been granted. And we are... Speaking it into manifestation. It's already there in the spiritual realm. And you are a spirit. God is a spirit. He created you in his image. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In your spirit you have the mind of Christ. You have the entire kingdom of God at your disposal. Now we need to practice Operating in faith to get those provisions that God has provided for us out into this natural realm where we can utilize them in this life. Amen. <coughs> Praise Jesus. If we're struggling... In our emotions, His grace provides the victory. If we're struggling in our finances, His grace has provided the victory. If we're struggling with sickness in our body, His grace provides the victory. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. God loves you from the crack house to the white house. God is there for you. And the ground is level at the foot of the cross. He is no respecter of persons. If he did it for one, he'll do it for you. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you have a loved one you're believing for, his grace provides the victory. By grace, he has given us this 
this ministry to help those who seek Him to come to the obedience of the faith, to be discipled, to be empowered, to be helped, healed, empowered, loved, and prospered, if we would just believe. If we would just decide to believe and to trust in God and His promises regarding us. Our faith will rise up and we'll see greater manifestations of the glory of God and you ever believe possible. I believe that's going to happen right here in this room as a starting point and it's going to continue on for years. Can you see it? We're going to go farther in faith than we've ever gone before. Everything provided through the atonement, forgiveness of our sins, peace in our minds, in our bodies, in our relationships, healing for our bodies, joy, the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's an abiding fruit of the Spirit within us. When we're not happy, which you can't depend on happiness in this life, too many people are focused on happiness. And that is not a requirement for this life. You have an abiding fruit of the Spirit, the joy of the Lord. Even when things are terrible, you can rest in Him and still have joy. It's a supernatural peace, love, Residing presence of God, knowing who you are in Him and what you have in Him that nobody could ever take from you. Remember Romans 8. Nothing can ever take away the love that God has for you. No one can ever snatch you from His hands. There are a lot of hurting mothers in the world today. Come on, John. And it's a it's a terrible time in which we live. I don't like saying things like that because we call to see the good. We're the church. We are the good thing in this world. Okay? But we're aware of what goes on and in the last days children are going to continue to drift further from God if they're not raised knowing Him. Children can hurt you and they're born selfish anyway and until they get born again it's just the devil that makes them act the way they do. Be thankful and blessed if you have taught your children correctly and you have them with you and they love the Lord because you're way ahead, way further ahead than many of us. But we're going to continue to pray and believe. And God's grace is more powerful than anything that the devil can do. So we're just going to turn all of our worry and Troubles into prayer. Give it to God. Cast your cares upon the Lord. He cares for you. And He has 
broad shoulders. Amen? If you're weary and heavy laden, give it to Him. He'll give you rest. Let Him restore your soul. He's the one that can. He's good at it. He loves you. The grace of our Lord be with all of you. We love you and we thank you for being here. I just want to I want to pray for you all. I just want so much for you all. I want you all to know the peace of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, and to put your confidence and trust in that and let the peace of God rule in your heart. It should be the umpire in your life. Anytime you don't have the peace of God, run to God. Don't allow any distance between you. Don't allow that space that that the enemy will take advantage of to come in and tempt you to try to get you to believe that God's word is not true. To doubt God and his goodness and his provision and his love for your life. Don't let him. Don't let him. Reject him. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You are a very powerful being. You have no idea. Even angels long to look into these things. They're amazed at what God has done for mere mortals. But we're not mere mortals once we come to Christ. We're supernatural beings. Some of us stay so focused on our natural bodies. Don't you know that that body died when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And now you're supercharged. The Holy Spirit is the thing that gives life. It says the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and gives life to your mortal body. No one can snatch that from you. The devil will get you to believe his lies. That's the only only fight he has is to lie to you and get you to believe it. And once you believe his lies, you'll start speaking it, you see. And when you start speaking the lies he's put into your mind, the doubts and confusion and sickness and poverty and strife, you're creating those things. You had him until you agreed with him. And then he got you to create the very things he was trying to get you to believe already existed. He's such a lying loser. Go to the word. Put your trust in the promises and provision of God for your life. God bless you all. Father, we thank you so much. I ask that you take everyone here. And everyone who will hear this message. And that you hide them in the shadow of your wings. That your favor would surround them as a shield and that no harm could come to them. I ask you to minister to their hearts and minds, Lord God. Help them to see themselves. You say as a man or woman thinketh in their hearts, so are they. Help them to see themselves as you do. Blessed, victorious, healthy. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much. In Jesus' name, amen.